You're listening to Body IO FM with your hosts, Kiefer and Dr. Rocky, where cutting edge science meets the razor's edge of health and performance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Body IO FM. This is your host, Kiefer, and co host, Dr. Rocky. Hello, Kiefer. Uh, we'll just get our sponsors out of the way quickly. That's Hylet Athletic Wear. I hope everybody checks them out. I love their stuff, and I really love the materials they use. And actually, I probably use their V-neck shirts as my dress shirts more often than I should. Um, but on today's show, we, we've got what's going to be somewhat anomalous for me. We, we actually have somebody who's pretty prominent in the CrossFit community on the show, and everybody knows I hate CrossFit, including my guest. Um, but she was still gracious enough to come on the show and possibly be belittle, belittled and belid, I guess, uh, yeah, I, I was going to say belligerent, but I don't even know if that's a word. I don't think so. But it sounds pretty good. It sounds heinous. So uh, she's she's up for this. This is Christmas Abbott. Uh, for those of you who don't know who she is, you really need to go look her up. And I had the pleasure of finally meeting her after... A little bit of communication over the last, I guess, two years ago. Uh, I finally had the pleasure of meeting her in New York recently and was pleasantly surprised by how awesome of a person she just is in general. So I, I had to have her on the show. Uh, so welcome, Christmas. Thanks, Kiefer. Uh, I know that... <laughs> Kiefer. <laughs> I know that you're not across the... Kiefer, sorry. Yeah. Um, I, I know that... See, I'm just going ahead and rebutting already. <laughs> oh, it's just post-workout delirium. Um, yeah. We'll just... Yeah, I'm still ready to smash things. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's it's cool. I have a, a simple rule about life is don't be a D. And whether you want to say, uh, I don't know if I can say this on there. Uh, you can say douche, whatever you but, want. Um, <laughs> there it is. Don't don't be a D, and uh, that's a pretty simple, basic rule that I live by. Okay, well, just to let you know, I don't live by that rule because I I every once in a while am am a dick. Well, actually, probably more than once in a while, but it's usually warranted. Well, that I'm a firm believer that if you have a, a, a situation that it was called for and totally appropriate, <laughs> and you did it with tact. And and a little bit of cooth, then it's it's all all go all green. <laughs> okay, well I might have a little red in there, but it's it's pretty much green. <laughs> so why don't you? I <laughs> it it was great hearing you speak in New York actually, because I know a lot of I know a lot about you your recent endeavors, but I didn't know a lot about your your personal history, which you went into. So would you mind uh, sharing that again on air for us? about how you kind of got yeah, started and know, got, got your health turned around. Yeah, and I really like to identify it as I really decided to make a better decision for my life, and I decided to just not get into a fitness craze or I didn't first discover CrossFit. It was I was pretty much on the path for self-destruction in any way you can possibly imagine, and I'd been on that path since early teens, you know, pre-adolescent really, and I had some major incidences in my life, um, one well-known car accident, but also I was, or what I call is I was a product of my environment. So, so low income, smoker family, drinker family, you're just exposed to this lifestyle. And from being a product of this environment, I had very little self-worth. And uh, it, it just kind of allowed me to make bad decisions a lot easier and justify the lifestyle that I was living for so long. So I smoked cigarettes, I, I drank excessively, and I did a lot of drugs. Uh, I, I really can't say the list, but, you know, they I, it was pretty much if something was put in front of me, I was willing to try it um, over and over and over again. <laughs> so I found myself... <laughs> Thanks for that like, clarification. Wow, that's not, of, not enough. Right, over and over and over again, that's... <laughs> It's an important clarification in those situations. <laughs> it is. It is. And I'll, I'll be clear. I, I really had a lot of self-esteem issues. Just not, you know, just I, I felt like I was white trash and that was all that I ever was going to be. 
because that's all that I ever was really exposed to. Mm-hmm. And and growing up, for being a female, our role models were like super heroin chic, you know, magazine girls. Right. And I didn't relate to that. So my mother had taken a job overseas as a civilian contractor, and she had encouraged me to also take a job overseas as a civilian contractor. So eventually I decided that that's what I was going to try. And there was no real rhyme to reason other than it was an opportunity to travel and an opportunity to make some money to pay for school. Now, I will say that once I got there, I had a complete different view and appreciation for why I was there, what I was doing, and what my role was. I was actually went over as a laundry attendant, which is kind of hilarious. <laughs> so I, I arrived in, in in Baghdad and little I was twenty two, just turned twenty two, and I had no idea what I was gonna do. I didn't know about bombs, I didn't know about IEDs, I didn't know about mortars. And day one I was sitting on a bus for two hours. <laughs> and, <laughs> And we're waiting to, to go three miles. So we couldn't drive three miles. We're sitting on the bus for two hours. And I go and ask the bus driver if I can get off the bus and smoke a cigarette. <laughs> I was like, hey, what are we waiting for? Do you mind if I hop off and take a smoke? And he kind of looked at me like I had a third eye because I really did in that situation. And he was like, we're waiting for them to clear an IED on the road. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, okay. And I just took my seat. <laughs> did you know what that was when he said know- that at that point? No clue. Oh. <laughs> no clue. And I'd even gone through a class, right, that I think I probably slept through. Right. And I was like, okay. And then it wasn't until later that I found out that IED was improvised explosive device, a.k.a. road bomb. <laughs> okay. Right. And here I am just wanting to, like, hang out outside in this open area and smoke cigarettes. Um, the biggest turning point, that still didn't wake me up. Like, being in a war zone didn't wake me up. Uh, I'm a bit stubborn. Apparently, yeah, I would think that that would be a uh, come to Jesus moment for most people. Yeah, um, he was knocking. I just didn't open the door. <laughs> so I, I you know, well to your defense, the, well to your defense, you were 22, right? I mean, most 22 year olds are pretty invincible. Yeah. Oh, I was absolutely invincible. Absolutely. Um, so the. About a month into it, I'm sleeping, and I was sleeping in my mom's hooch, so I was really, I lucked out from the very beginning to get uh, an actual, like, trailer that you sleep in. Mm-hmm. It's the only place in the world that you aspire to live in a, a single life, and it's <clears> like <throat> a 8 by 10 trailer, very, very small. And I hear there's distinct noises overseas, but it's kind of like distinct noises at the gym. You hear a drop of the waves, you hear kettlebells, you know what it is. Mm-hmm. Well, I heard a noise that I hadn't heard before, and then I heard a whistle, and I was awake, and I was like, what's going on? And then the entire building shook. Um, there was this loud, loud boom, and I literally leaped. It looked like a wildy coyote moment. I leaped from my bed to across the room, and I learned two things in that moment. One, you always, always sleep with clothes on in Iraq or any war zone. And two, <laughs> you always <laughs> have your PPE gear, personal protective gear uh, nearby. So there was, there was a very large moment where I was like, man, what am I doing here? What is that? Cause it shook everything. Wow. Sirens was it going like, off and, and everything? Did a bomb go off near the, near where you were camped or what, what had happened? Yeah, we had, I had an, I not an IED, but a mortar come in. And it struck about um, 300, 300 feet or, or so from where, about 200 to 300 feet from where I was sleeping. And so it was very close. And uh, it was a, a very eye-opening. That time, like, Jesus didn't knock. He just kicked the door in. Wow. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's like, that, that's a football field, a basically. is a football field away from you. You know, I would even go, it was from where I was in the camp. It struck in front of the laundry, and I was on the, um, like, west side of the laundry, and mm-hmm. that was probably, uh, you know, probably the length of a half football field. Wow. From, would... from one distance to another. It was Ye- close. Yeah, it, that would... Like, it literally shook everything. That would definitely wake me up, I think. 
in, in more it's ways than one. It's pretty crazy because shrapnel comes through these tin cans. Like we have literally tin cans for houses if you're not in the barracks. And it it just shatters everything. And there's this hole in the asphalt. It's, it's just a good enough mortar. And, you know, it's it's lucky because they would always just shoot them before, right before we would wake up. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like our alarm clock. Um, <laughs> but by the time we got to work, they were already scattered because the military was out. Talk, talk about so making light. And I was, like the best, you just cast that in the best possible scenario that you could. It's like, ah, oh, you know, it was kind of like our alarm clock every day. Not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> um, not an alarm clock you want to wake up, up to every day, but you, you realize that it's funny because the lightest noise with the thud and the whistle w- would wake you up. And it's like, you know, when you're at home and you wake up because you hear something abnormal in your house, mm-hmm. that's that's what it's like over there with the incoming. You're like, okay, um, that my body is responding to that because something bad is going to happen. Wow. So I, I, I basically that day I was like, what am I doing here? Like, why am I here? And I had to like come to, you know, look at, look at what I was doing. And then I was already, you know, still drinking in country because we had different rules as a civilian and still smoking in country. And then here, it, here it is like raining mortars. And I looked around and I was like, holy crap. And I realized that over the past 10 years, I had done almost everything other than completely conscious intentionally to try and kill myself. And I realized in that moment that one, I didn't want to kill myself. And two, I actually didn't want to die. And I was really curious about living. And uh, the first major decision that I made was to quit smoking. And I quit cold turkey, not that day, mind you, (laughs) and uh, a candy like a heroin addict. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, quit quit smoking. About a month later, I tried to run a mile. That was a joke. Uh, I it took me a week to recover. Literally, I was like hobbling. You know, like when you just lift one too many reps and you know way too much weight, you're kind of doing the duck hobble for the week. Right. That was me after a mile run. And um, so you did make the full mile. I, I assume you had to, fitness. I assume you had to walk part of that mile. You know, I was, I, it was smart of me, but also very stupid of me to recruit a friend. And cause I just felt so uncomfortable in any kind of gym atmosphere. And I was like, Hey, you got to show me how to turn the treadmill on. So he turned it on and I, it probably took me like 10, 12 minutes to run it. It was a little bit faster than walking. But I didn't walk it, and it was because it was just on a treadmill, and he was staring at me, and it was <laughs> the treadmill was moving for me, so all I had to do was pick up my feet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you had no choice but to move at that pace. Yeah, it was. It's you know what, and I'm going to go ahead and put this out there. It's pretty much like somebody going and trying CrossFit for the first time and going into a facility that doesn't know how to slow to warm <laughs> and just <laughs> throw them into the fire. <laughs> That was my experience. So how did that, like, after doing that, were you more determined to do it better or were you momentarily like, oh, fuck this? I was certain without a shadow of a doubt in my mind that I was not going to be a fitness girl. Like, that was (laughs) never the plan. And I was like, you know what? I quit smoking. I'm not drinking as much. It's cool. I'm, (laughs) I'm good. And I don't like working out. And that's the honest truth. I had no interest. And I was actually turned off heavily by working out. So about about a year later, about six months later or so, um, I started working out because the guys in the office were always working out. And they started harassing me. And just really just being like, hey, let me show you something. And not like, let me hit on you kind of way, just because I was bored. And the DFAT guy, our, our um meal people would always give me an extra piece of cheesecake. So then <laughs> I went from like being super unhealthy skinny to like super unhealthy skinny fat. Nice. <laughs> so eventually it was like, I, I'm going to try something. And it was just kind of out of boredom. And I dug it after a little while just because I didn't kill myself in the run. And uh, 
shortly after I discovered CrossFit, which is where it kept my interest sparked. And I was really, really intrigued and fascinated by this program. And the rest is history. What what, what made uh, the CrossFit so intriguing? What was the the hook for you? (laughs) I was was in Al-Assad, and there was this one Marine that came up. And when I went to the gym, like, I went into business mode. I wasn't there to fluff around. I was there to do work. And this guy came up to me, and he he showed me this video. And I had to wait, like, half an hour for it to download because we had really bad internet, if we had internet. (laughs) And uh, it was it was these three girls doing air squats and these big things that I'd never seen before, and then these crazy things on the rings. And the girl cries at the end, and I was like, "What is this?" I was like, "This is this is what I want to do." I I don't know why. I'm not sure what what magic dust it had in in that moment, but I was like, "This is this is what I want." I was like, "What is this called?" And they were like, "CrossFit," and I was like, "Okay, cool." So so what is this called? And I just couldn't wrap my head around the name. <laughs> so from there, he's like, yeah, they just do like, you know, circuit training and it's kind of crazy. And I was like, this is awesome. And what was most appealing about the video was that the girls were my size. It wasn't either you were a skinny runner or you're a bodybuilder. I loved these girls' natural physiques and that they were normal like me. They were like literally my height and my weight. And it just was something that intrigued me. So I started doing my own variation of CrossFit for a few months before I got together with these other two guys that were prior military SF guys. One who is going, uh, taking his team to the games, Chaz Rudolph. He's taking his team, CrossFit uh, Boise, to the games this year. So it's very exciting to see them come so far. And uh, these guys, their intention to allow me to work out with them was so they could try and break me. (laughs) <laughs> literally like throw everything at me and just see if I would keep up. Um, I usually didn't keep up, but I always came back and I always finished the workout and what would take them 15 or 20 minutes or eight to 10 minutes would always take me 40 or 45 minutes. They didn't scale it for me. <laughs> so they, they, they just threw me into the fire. It was pretty right. amazing. So one of the best, experiences of CrossFit I've ever had. So was it, so I, I'm just curious if their, their goal was to break you. Did you have some kind of attitude problem? Is that what was going on? They just wanted to punish you for, no. for being a little snarky just, or something? So, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I was actually like, this super quiet night and I, and I wasn't very like in Iraq, you just keep to yourself, especially if you're a female. Mm-hmm. So, so I asked these guys, I was like, Hey, you guys do CrossFit. Do you mind if I come CrossFit with you? And it was kind of like that. And they're like, we don't like maybe, and then they waited <laughs> to see, watch me work out. One to see if I was legit, and because there's a lot of girls at the time overseas that were just there to basically find husbands, and mm-hmm. that wasn't me. Like I was finding my fitness, and I was really kind of finding myself. So once they figured out that I wasn't just going to be like the the girl with the ponytails and kind of like giggling and flirting and I was there to do some work then they were like okay let's see what she can tolerate and it was just pure entertainment for them and uh it it was really just kind of like what has this girl got and every time I finished the workout and I showed back up the next day and they they were really surprised they're like what 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 are you doing (laughs) like it's time to work out like my first 20 and 24 inch box jump, I think we did, uh, was it Kelly with the, the 500, 400 meter run, box jumps and wall balls. They made me do it, the guy version. And mm-hmm. I got one box jump, my very first 24 inch box jump that day. And they made me do the whole workout. They're like, if you can do one, you can do all of them. And uh, <laughs> they stood there and watched while I finished half an hour later than everybody else. <laughs> So, so at this point, well, they, in, or I was just gonna, and at, at this point in your journey, were you, you, so you had, you'd kind of had this, okay, I, I don't want to kill myself anymore, which is in a way a view of, I want to be healthier, although from the negative aspect of it. And at, at this point, when you started doing the CrossFit, were you, were you still thinking in that mode? Were you thinking, okay, I want to, 
you know, I'm still trying to avoid death or get healthier or whatever, or was this just a challenge? You know, was this something that just, you know, gave you a drive and a motivation while you were there? It was, it was totally the excitement of the workout. <clears throat> it was really just, uh, I, I never been good at much of anything. I mean, I, you know, like my mom says that for the two years that I played sports in middle school, I think I was like nine and 10 years old. Um, you know, she was like, you're a great athlete. And I was like, mom, I'm so awkward. I'm such an awkward mover. But this was something that for some reason it, it clicked with me and I wasn't a good mover. I had, to, I struggled a lot to learn the movements correctly. My squat was atrocious and, you know, there was nothing naturally good about me doing CrossFit other than I liked that it changed every day and it was something new every day. Mm-hmm. And I liked that it was with other people and I liked the intensity factor. Like it made it fun. Like that was amazing. It gave me an adrenaline high. And now instead of doing drugs, I was able to get this naturally. And it made me feel accomplished to be honest, because I had never been really into anything in my life and I never had any big achievements. But this was the path that I was kind of starting to take and I would finish the workout and I would feel good about that. And that was really kind of my goal every day. So I'm curious. That's, it's actually funny. We've, even Rocky's story is, um, not as intense by any, any measure, but you know, he started to, he didn't even give a, even though he's a medical doctor and he sees sick people all the time, his motivation for what ended up getting him healthy was totally around a performance issue. You know, he wanted, or I shouldn't say performance issue cause that sounds bad. It was his performance in soccer. He wasn't able to, you know, play, play the game as intensely as he wanted to or anything like that. It was that challenge that ultimately changed his life and, you know, made him a lot healthier. And, it, and you, you, a lot of people and you in particular, your situation's a little more intense, but you know, it sounds like that's what kind of got you on this, this journey. It had nothing to do with at that point, like being healthy. It was like the challenge of wanting to perform at a certain level. You know, we always talk about the uh, that moment of clarity. So it, it's it's interesting. I always find it interesting uh, what brings on that moment of clarity, and if you could almost bottle that. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that kind of happened. One, I just initially it's because I wanted to make a better choice for myself. I had always chose the bad things, and then this one time I decided to make a good choice for myself. It started me on a different path. And that actually led to embracing the challenge of life. And, you know, that's, that's sometimes, I mean, even today, I still kind of get moments where I'm like, God, this sucks. <laughs> um, and the, the, the challenge is pretty incredible because once you have that feeling of accomplishment or perseverance or, you know, just being able to break through to something, it's, it's way addicting and it's, it can, it can be an incredible journey. It's funny because I started because I wanted to do something better for myself and I loved the challenge of, of it and the intensity of it. But what, when I changed gears a couple of years ago, I, I don't want to ruin my body for from competition Mm-hmm. where I'm not able to perform where I want to be when I'm 60, 70, and 80 years old. And I'm telling you that I now train for life longevity, where at this time in my life, I was training for life challenge. And life longevity for me is me being 85 years old and running circles around my grandchildren and still being able to take care of myself independently and not be in a nursing home for 20 years of my life. So and it, it changes your approach to the workout, and it changes your approach to the, the day, everyday training. Like you want to train smarter and recover more and make sure that you're doing everything that you're supposed to be doing to your body and treating it the best way possible versus just putting it through a grinder and saying, I'm going to get this no matter what, and then you have a herniated this they have a pulled back 
Okay, that. So we lost good, Christmas. Right? Yeah, we lost Christmas for a second. Now we're trying to coordinate getting this started back up. All right. So you were, you were actually, uh, everybody, you know, knows my disdain for CrossFit. And the reason is specifically that, you know, it's all about putting people through the grinder and not really caring about what's going to happen even in six months. You know, it's, it's very, very short sighted. It's, did you get through this workout? And, you know, I've, I've personally seen, and then there's also tons of videos where somebody has a pretty serious injury in the gym and they might not realize it. Like, you know, um, even to the point of a, a, a torn rotator cuff and everybody's just cheering on because they finished their workout, even though they were in a lot of pain. Um, and, and that's a very, very different yeah. mentality. That's a mentality of youth. I had that you know, same mentality. When I tore my pec, I finished my chest workout. I was like, oh man, that, that really hurts. I don't, I don't know why it's hurting so bad, but I might as well finish my workout and see what it is later. And, you know, I, I definitely paid for that. And I I think that's kind of what's going on with CrossFit a little bit. And that's what I don't like. So what you're saying is, you know, resonating with me and I, I know it will with my audience quite a bit, this shift from, you know, putting yourself through the grinder to long-term health and what, so my curiosity is for somebody who really is entrenched in the CrossFit community. I mean, you're a CrossFit personality at this point. Uh, what, what made you see what was going on to where you, you wanted to make this shift where it's more about, Hey, I want to perform at a high level my entire life instead of just beating myself to death you know, day in and day out. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny pain. Like when you have physical pain, it is your body telling you that something is wrong. So, and there's a difference between like having an injury or working through a little bit of something, you know, here and there and, and knowing your body is super important in order to be able to do that. And, and so you have to be humble and honest about it you know you can't just be like hey I'm just gonna work pain-free or you can't go to the extreme and just be like I'm always gonna just grind through um I think last I mean I've been doing my workouts for longevity for a couple of years now and the shift was just getting into competition and finding out the threshold the true threshold of my body and what it's capable of and then thinking that I can go into the gym on Monday and continue my regular routine and like my body was like no you know you mentally are here but I'm not going to listen to anything that you're saying and you're just going to be completely drained um and a big thing for me was seeing my grandfather in the nursing home a few years ago while I'm still doing these competitions and trying to grind through these incredible workouts he's in a nursing home and he had kind of been not super active all his life, but um, he was in the nursing home for his last entire year of his life. And before then, he had a, a wheelchair, and before then, he had a walker, and then a cane. And so I, I literally watched him physically demise over the, this extended period of time, over years and years and years. And it just broke my heart because he was such a like highly spirited guy, and his spirit didn't match what his physical body was able to do. Mm-hmm. And for me, it just was, it was kind of like an aha moment seeing my grandfather there and just realizing that I want to be able to share my life in a bigger way at that age. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a big deal to recognize getting through a workout and then getting through life. And I have the goal of chasing my grandchildren when I'm 85, 90 years old and still being able to do everything that I want living by myself, hopefully with my husband at the time and, um, not having somebody else come in and and take care of me and literally wipe my face and other parts that I don't want other people to wipe. Right. So (laughs) like (laughs) that's, that's big for me. And then last year I had a huge back injury because, you know, I just kind of get in the moment. I get, I get a little ham. Um, and I, I kept pushing myself through, injured my back during a competition and then continued my training because I was like, man, I'm, I'm the strongest I've ever been. I'm going to keep going. And it hurts before and after the workout. But in the workout, it doesn't hurt, you know. So right. in the workout, as long as it doesn't hurt in the workout, I'm okay. So afterwards, <laughs> I would be crippled, barely be able to walk. 
And here I am going back on what I had taught myself and ended up, it, an injury took me out for about three or four months. And, uh, you know, then it was kind of like, okay, here Christmas, you know, your early thirties, you can't be having these major back issues, um, for the rest of your life. That's not your goal. So, so was it just, just some major personal experiences? Yeah. So it was, it was the injuries that you started to experience. that kind of made you realize like, okay, this, this was cool and this was fun and this is hard as hell, but this might not be the right path to make sure I'm running around with my grandkids. No, actually I was seeing my grandfather in his place. Oh, uh, oh really? So I know, <laughs> even your own injuries yeah. were not the impetus, like the mortar going off, uh, at the thing that, that was a, a pretty good shock, but you know, your own personal injuries still didn't kind of outweigh seeing, seeing what was, what was happening with your grandfather? Yeah. You know, I, I think, I think any sport you're going to have an injury, right? Mm-hmm. But you really only have one, one chance to live life to its fullest. And, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm really big on like, I want to be as strong as I can for as long as I can within the capacity of what my life allows. And for me, I'm a smaller frame person, so I may never be able to deadlift that 300-pound goal that I want. However, I know that I, if I take care of myself and I listen to my body and I stay within a, a reasonable intensity today, then it's one day out of the rest of my life. It's one workout out of the rest of my life. And uh, seeing my grandfather in that state, like, really brings that home. So what did you, what did you start to change? How did you change things for yourself? Because, you know, I know you, you've got your own uh, gym now, and I, I believe you're, you're opening up other locations. So, you know, that, that's awesome to, to hear this, because I, you know, assume this is part of the philosophy that you're bringing to the people who come into your gym. So what, what was it that you started to change or modify and to make sure that you were getting the right recovery, that you were still uh, performing and training at a high enough level, but not injuring yourself or potentially, you know, driving yourself that direction. Like everybody, or I won't say everybody, but like a lot of, you know, the, the CrossFit elite, if you want to call them or the intelligentsia, as I call them, you know, how did you start to break that attitude? What was it you changed for yourself? You know, I, I'm a firm believer in mm-hmm. having a coach because if I'm coaching myself, I'm going to drive myself into the ground. <laughs> I'd never do enough to be satisfied. And if you have a coach that you've been working with or you establish a relationship with this person, then they're going to know, you know, there's major signs of being overtrained. And even though you don't have an injury, you can still be overtrained consistently. And, you know, we had a guy... I heard about this guy that, um, you know, for he pretty much had a low level um, rhabdo for almost a year because he didn't eat any carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. He was like, I'm carb free. And all I did was eat meat and drink wine. And he was like literally destroying his body. And he's in there training every day. And he's frustrated because, it's, you know, he can't PR. He can't gain anything. He's not any faster. He's actually getting, gaining weight. And, you know, it took going to the doctor and the doctor's like, hey, you have a mild case of rhabdo and you've had this for an extended amount of time. And P.S., you need to eat your vegetables. So <laughs> I think that for me, major things w- were when competing and realizing what I was doing to my body. It's kind of like uh, a sprint horse. Mm-hmm. You have a sprint horse shelf life for approximately three years. Right. Right. If you're going to continually expose yourself to this higher level of training without having an off season, because we're notorious for not having off season, then you are going to have a competition shelf life, possibly at your peak for about three years. I could be wrong about this. There's some other people without like, so three years. And then if you take not necessarily a year off, but if you back off a year, like a deload year and then ramp it back up, then you can come back and, and play again. Um, so that was really interesting for me to think about. And I started thinking about my recovery, specifically sleep, um, proteins like recovery shakes, um, vitamins um, that I would take, you know, supplements. 
and then making sure that I was taking care of my body with massage and any kind of body work that I needed to be done. Those things CrossFitters are notorious for not doing. They're like, oh, I eat well. I eat paleo, but I have paleo brownies, but I'm not going to foam roll, and I go without sleep, and then I go 10 days without taking a rest day. And, you know, we're, we're just putting ourselves into these grinders. Yeah, so it, it was all the things outside of the gym that you can do. It, yeah, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I, and I think this is a big problem in a lot of the noise and chatter that's on social media and with your friends and in CrossFit is that, you know, a lot of times people are young and, you know, even in your early thirties, uh, well, all through your, your thirties, you're still what I would say young if you've been any kind of an athlete over your life. And you can sustain a lot of damage for a lot of years. You know, I probably, I probably damaged my body for a good 20 years uh, without realizing it because I could still perform. I could still do most everything I wanted, uh, you know, and, and I was going without sleep because, you know, I just, I, my whole life was academic. So I was used to all nighters and then training and, you know, all this stuff went on for years and years and years, and you don't realize that's taking a toll. Your body's in this constant state of triage where it's like, okay, we, we can't really repair everything we need to repair, so we're going to pick and choose in the moment. And eventually, you kind of run out of reserves. And unfortunately, you know, when you're in your 20s, you just you don't experience it. You just keep going, and you can keep going, and you don't see the signs. And then when you get into your 30s, like, okay, things are different. And in my opinion, they shouldn't be. You should be able to perform at the same I level. Agree. Yeah, in your 20s, you whatever performance you can do in your 20s, you should still be able to do close to that, I think, in your 40s. And I think it's, you know, our bad diet and our bad training and not paying attention to the things you said, like vitamins. That's uh, a key one to me. And I'm I'm glad you mentioned that and that um, you, you pay attention to that and people – should listen to that. I don't care how good you think your diet is, a multivitamin would not hurt. And I know sleep has been a huge focus recently. I'm still back and forth on the sleep thing. I think you can handle a lot less sleep um, depending on a variety of factors, but sleep is critically important. That's You get a lot of recovery in your sleep patterns. So, you know, it, it's interesting to hear you talk about all these things and you ignored them for so long, just like I did, just like most people do. And do you ever think, do you ever sit there and, and think about, man, if I had just done this a little bit more intelligently in my twenties, how much better everything would be today? Do you ever think that? Or are you still too young and invincible? No, I'm definitely not invincible. <laughs> <laughs> that reality hit me hard. Um, you know, I, I do think about these things and it's something that I'm always trying to work for now, and I have been for a long time. So I feel that whatever damage I did when I was just burning, you know, both ends of the stick, that now hopefully I've done enough, uh, can, you know, rehab in a sense to prevent that. And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm getting work done every week, and I'm religious with taking my supplements, and I'm religious with making sure I get enough sleep. And you know what? I'm just going to listen to my body. So maybe if it's not a scheduled off day, but if my body is screaming at me, I'm going to go ahead and take it off. And, um, you know, I think that we just, we definitely ignore way too much. And, you know, in my early 20s, or not early 20s, I wasn't working out then. Um, but in my later 20s, late 20s, I just, one, it was, I, financially, I didn't have the money to have the supplement. So I was like, oh, I can do without and then two, like if you got a massage, it was such a luxury to have the extra time. And, you know, maybe you still can't afford a massage, but you can afford 15 minutes on a foam roller and, you know, for a recovery day, you know, 10 minutes or five minutes on a foam roller before or after your workout. I do it both. I love it. I'm sorry. People may not agree foam rolling beforehand, but I, I definitely think that just a few minutes here and there every day is going to give you years and years of being where what you're talking about at your optimal, at your optimal performance level. And it's sad to think that we're 
like a lot of people, these amazing athletes are performing at potentially 70, 80, 85% of what they could do if they went and made sure that their bodies were intact. It's such an amazing point. And uh, we, we were talking about uh, making sure that you were recovered and you could perform at a higher level. And, you know, I ignored that even when I had, when I witnessed it firsthand in myself, you know, when I would, uh, I used to cycle a lot and I loved cycling and I was all about doing long distance rides in the short amount of time as possible. And, you know, I've, I've talked about it, you know, my, my classical story is I would ride, you know, 60, 70 miles a day. I would do it every day in the summers. And then I'd do a hundred mile ride and it would take me, you know, seven hours, eight hours sometimes when I would do them. And I would be devastated at the end of those rides. And I thought I was training for it. And then, uh, you know, I was in a situation where I didn't have that kind of time. So I was only doing 40 miles a week, uh, 40 miles of training ride three times a week. And after that, for a few months, I did a hundred mile ride and I broke five hours, which was my goal. And I felt fine. I got off the bike and I was like, oh, you know, I'm fine. I had no recovery period after that. I, you know, I was fine by the next day. And even though I experienced that firsthand and I should have gone back and said, wow, I can really have a much, much lower volume of training and perform at a much, much higher level. Like I still totally ignored that. It just, it never sank in. So what I, what I was going to say is you bring up a great analogy and this is going to be an awesome segue because I wanted to ask you about this. You know, it's people don't realize like in NASCAR or IndyCar racing, uh, well, until they change the rules after a race, you know, you go through the car from top to bottom and you check everything out and you rebuild what needs rebuilding every race. Uh, and, and people don't do that for themselves. They don't, you know, the massage, seeing a chiropractor, maybe getting some ART, maybe doing some muscle activation therapy. All of that stuff is incredibly important. It's that maintenance component that we always ignore. Um, and, and I think, you know, that's, that's kind of been the topic here is maintenance is critical if you're going to be a performance athlete. End of story. Um, and I, I think you would agree with that if you can still hear me. Yeah, I absolutely agree with it. You know, you can't, you can't, you know, I tell people, I, I love the car analogy because people love their cars. And they have this, say, for example, you drive this super premium high-end car. You're not going to give it shitty gas, and you're not going to go 10,000 miles without changing the oil and expect it to run properly and especially run optimally. So why are you going to do that to your body? Right. Like, really? I just don't get it. I, I tell people, like, yeah, you, have, you may have a great diet. You know, people are like, oh, I eat great. I'm like, great. You're not pissing in your gas tank by eating good food. But there's so many more things to attend to under the hood besides food. And, uh, you know, you got to change the oil. you got to maintenance it. you got to check brakes. you got to go through the whole, you know, whole thing. We have to have our cars inspected every year just to be on the road. Right. So and, that's, and we're not willing to take the time to, to maintenance our bodies. So not that it matters to anybody else. What are the things that you found from a supplement <laughs> standpoint that has helped you? And then what do you usually recommend to your clients? Uh, I have, um, there's a few that I absolutely don't leave home without. So I think that if you're going to be doing an intense workout, you need a recovery shake immediately after the workout. And I'm sorry to tell you that if you're drinking your recovery shake an hour after you've gotten home, it's no longer a recovery shake. Recovery is immediate. <laughs> um, and then, and then I recommend, obviously, you know, I'm a geek on fish oil or any anti-inflammatory. There's a few other options out there that are kind of neat and a little bit less expensive. Um, so a, an anti-inflammatory is huge. And you're, you're looking for, like, the, the EPAs. Um, DHA is great. It helps your brain function. But I'm probably going to say that your brain's as developed as it's going to be. It's the anti-inflammatory that we're looking at. So I do a, a magnesium at night, and I do a zinc in the morning. And those those four things for me are golden, and uh, I don't leave home without them. That's so rocky. But everything beyond that for me is extra. Well, you the recovery shake point 
uh, I, I wanted to address. You make kind of an interesting point there. There's, it depends on what you're recovering. You actually do have like an hour to two hour window, at least for protein recovery needs. But glycogen, on the other hand, has a two-phase recovery model. Uh, you've got 30 minutes immediately after workout that um, there's one type of non-insulin-mediated recovery for glycogen levels in particular. And then for the next two to four hours, uh, you've got a second-phase recovery that depends on insulin. Uh, so there are actually, you know, kind of these different windows that you need to pay attention to depending on what your different goals are. And if you're crossfitting, you really do need to pay attention to that first phase uh, carbohydrate repletion that you need pretty much immediately after the workout ends. Right. And most of these people and, and most of the people that have a recovery shake don't understand. They just know that you're supposed to take it after your workout. And that's the extent of what they know. Mm -hmm. um, they're not even sure why or what it does. So, you know, with that, right. you, you have to, like, you know, one, what are you doing? And then two, what you're doing will determine what you should be doing after your workout. Um, so, again, most of the CrossFitters wait till they get home and they've showered and then they're going to have their quote-unquote recovery shake, which by this point, it's just a meal replacement shake. Right. It's, you've it's you've missed your, some the of the benefits. Of what it's going to do for you. Yes. Yeah, it's. I like that. Good geek out. Thanks. It's uh, it's funny because they did an interview with people who are, uh, you know, gluten free, and you know they they're so proud of being gluten free, and they asked them, well, what's gluten? And most of them had no idea. They're they half of them couldn't even say it was in wheat. They're just like, well, actually, I don't know. I just know I don't eat gluten. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I, I mean, it's kind of that same I, thing. I and it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, well, I, somebody tweeted, right. Somebody tweeted that I shouldn't eat gluten, so I don't eat it anymore. I saw it on Instagram and it must be true. Right. So Rocky actually derailed my segue because I wanted to talk about race cars and NASCAR because at one point, and I don't, I don't know if you still are, but you were part of a pit crew for NASCAR. Is that correct? Yes, I, I was. I am not this season, but I was last season. So you got to tell me, how did that uh, happen with, and what was that like? <laughs> um, my friend Diego, who is actually currently, I think he's over in Dubai right now, opening some softball boxes over there. But Diego called me up and was like, hey, Christmas, are you, um, are you interested in um, trying NASCAR? And, you know, when it's such an obscure statement like you're like nascar fast cars yes i'm there right. and um so i agreed to something i had no idea what i was reading to immediately and uh showed up and i showed up the night before and we were all having dinner and they were talking about how like how much fun it was going to be the next day and how basically like what we were going to be doing and I, I was sitting there and i was like what what and i was like we're not driving the cars and they were talking about this pit challenge and everything. So as soon as we walked into the place the next day, so I'm kind of pissed right now. I'm like, I got duped. Uh, I, and so we walked into this place, and I'm thinking, I'm like, I don't want to change tires. I don't want to do any of this stuff. Like, all I'm thinking is we're going to be in this garage being mechanics. And then they come out, and they're doing these pit stops with these trucks, and these guys are, it's this crazy orchestrated dance, and it's amazing, and it's loud, and it's fast. And it's exciting, and I have no idea what just happened, but it looks like a lot of fun. So we uh, we did a pit challenge, which in true CrossFit style, we timed everything. And you had to jack the car, which was a 2,500-pound um, car. So 3,500, I'm sorry. You jacked the car, and I did it, but not very well. Okay, so they definitely, the guys beat me on that one. And then you have to throw the tire on, and it has five sub holes about the size of your thumb, like a dime. Mm -hmm. And you have to get it perfectly on there with speed and power. And then we hit lug nuts, which I did really well on hanging the tire. And then we hit lug nuts and I beat the boys and it was just so much fun. I, I had such a great time and I couldn't believe that I enjoyed changing tires. <laughs> it was <laughs> such a, like, I couldn't believe it. People were like, what? You? And I was like, I don't know. You just got to go try it. 
I can't explain it. You just got to try it. And um, so I did really well, and they were impressed with my ability to pick up on the skill so quickly that they offered me a position to train with their their development crew, and it just uh, rolled into a position with the pit crew. That's awesome. Which which team were you were you with? I was with um, Michael Walter's team, and I was on the Clint Boyer. And I, I went back and forth, but I was mostly on the Clint Boyer team uh, crew. Wow. Yeah, That's so awesome. I totally, I totally got two. And I would never have gone if I knew I was going to be changing tires. Because I was pissed when I found <laughs> out we were going to be changing tires. I was really angry. And I was like, man, I just wasted a trip here. It's my only day off. And I've been working like a crazy person. So this was going to be like my Sunday. And, uh, you know, just to show you, don't knock it until you try it. Except for drugs. Don't do drugs. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, you, I, I don't think uh, you can really make that. Rec- well, I don't know. You might be aptly appro- appropriate to make that recommendation of don't do drugs because apparently you've tried quite a few. I think that I'm a poster child for dare. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the perfect person to tell people not to do drugs. Well, that's funny. You just kind of showed your age a little bit because of like half my audience isn't even going to know what dare is. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> side stories. I used to have, I used to collect dare shirts, and I would just walk around stone thinking it was funny <laughs> that I was wearing a dare shirt. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite one was this green one from Tennessee. I mean, I picked all my dare shirts up from the, the thrift store. You know, of course, I didn't earn them, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that was that was my old hobby, guys. <laughs> that is awesome. You just like hit a new level of fandom from me with that one. That one's pretty good. <laughs> awesome. So we, it might be in my theater chest. <laughs> that's awesome. That, that's a good story. That that's one for the, uh, I'll probably talk about that at some other point on some other podcast because that's just awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've, Gotta also bring up, so half my audience knows that, because um, I think I've probably mentioned it somewhere before, I think, you know, really done, really well done skin art is, can, can be phenomenal, especially on a good physique, it can really enhance it in some instances, um, but you don't, you don't see good artwork that often in my opinion, unfortunately, I think it's definitely gotten better in the last 10 years, um, but you have some fantastic artwork, and uh, I, you know, to the point of, you even were in a photo shoot for Inked Magazine. Is that correct? Yeah, that was fun. That was, so how did, I'm just curious, like how all these things happen because you've got this, you've got like this really diverse kind of, you know, experiences <laughs> highlighting the last few years. And I'm just like, okay, how did NASCAR happen? How did, like, you know, how did they find you for the photo shoot? Like, what, what was that? Um, I think it, the guy actually, the creative director, Todd, had just started doing CrossFit, and he became quickly obsessed. And uh, I don't know if somebody told him to Google me or something. Anyway, he heard about me, and he reached out, and he was like, we're going to do this sport series on Inked, and we'd love to have you. And I was like, and I love I love tattoos and I love tattoo magazines and Inked magazine is kind of like the GQ of tattoo magazines. It's yeah. it's very good. Like it has a lot of really um, well written articles, very good art, very good artists, and you know it it features you know the girls on it or the guys on it. You know there's always a, a celebrity and then there's always like an upcoming Inked girl. Mm-hmm. And um, it was it was a really fun shoot, really fun. So again via just kind of being in the community. That's so funny. So speaking of being in the community, you've got your own gym now. And uh, as far as I remember, you're, you're opening up more. How's what, what got you to the point that you wanted to open a gym? Like, what was it that, is it just cause you really like the gym atmosphere or was it that you wanted to bring this mentality of longevity to uh, CrossFit or CrossFit in the area. What what was it that what was your impetus there? 
you know, I'll be honest, I kind of got duped on that one too. Is <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I had um, I had once before uh, this guy I was dating. We had started to open a gym together, and then when things split, I kept the dog, he kept the gym. But I had I didn't really I love business and I love coaching, but I didn't really want to immerse myself in just gym business. So when I came to North Carolina, these girls would always ask me what I do for fitness, and they just kept bugging me. And so instead of keep telling them to go to X CrossFit or to do this workout at home or eat this way, I was like, all right, bitches, this is what we're going to do. We're going to meet three times a week or a week, not before a month, and uh, you're going to pay me enough to cover my time. And I'm going to teach you how to do workouts by yourself. It wasn't necessarily CrossFit, but it was kind of in that same circuit intensity without any weight. And, um, you know, and we did it in the park. And they loved it, and they kept coming back. And that was in September of 2009. So the next year started it back up, and now it's called my – it was initially called 30 Days of Christmas. And yes. now it's called Invoke Booty Camp. And it's an outdoor boot camp that's mm-hmm. – just a high intensity, no weight boot camp. So I saved all my money from the boot camp because they asked me, they're like, well, when are you going to open a CrossFit gym now? I was like, I really don't want to. Really don't want to. So finally, I was like, okay, I'll open this thing and we'll see where it goes. So I just set it up to where I didn't have any debt and if I wanted to close the doors, I could. And um, they joined and they kept coming back and a couple of them, you know, are still here. And one of the original boot campers actually this boot camp now so she's kind of come full circle and uh, i opened it i opened this place about three and a half years ago i'm getting ready to open my second place it should be open in september i'm really excited about this and you know it wasn't it wasn't like i want to own a million gyms love coaching and it was from from coaching that this really kind of developed now i will tell you and all of those crossfitters out there that love coaching and they want to open a gym because they love coaching, you have to have a partner that loves business and is willing to be the back end. You're going to be the front end. It, you People realize very quickly that once you open a facility and you expect to be able to do coaching, you're going to make all this money because you have all these clients. It's, it's a labor of love and you need to have a, a secure business plan because Crossfits are popping up everywhere right now. And if you're not at the top of the game, you're going to fold fairly quickly. Yeah, they're uh, just opening a brick and mortar gym in general is a interesting proposition. It's, you know, it's not the highest margins in the world. And like you said, it's got to be a labor of love. I looked into that at one point and it just, it didn't make sense to me, uh, you know, on the financial no, side. It doesn't. It, it doesn't. And especially if, you know, just, Next facility is a little bit, it's 6,000 square feet, where right now I have 8,000 square feet. And, you know, I have a great staff. I've stockpiled my coaches. We're going to do the same branding. So, really, we're cutting, I'm cutting a lot of my efforts in half, um, but also kind of doubling some of my other efforts. And you just got to, you got to know that you don't get to clock out. And the reality of having, you know, people say, how many members do you have? And then they look at your what your rent is, and they're like, "Oh, you're killing it! You're making like five hundred thousand dollars a year! Oh my God!" And you're like, "Dude, one five thousand hundred thousand dollars, you shouldn't think that's a lot of money." And two, <laughs> um, most of that is payroll, so right. it's not. <laughs> um, right. So it's but it's it is a labor of love, and it's great because people seeing that many people's lives change in front of you all at once. That's freaking, that's priceless right there. That's awesome. I'm, uh, I'm really glad that your attitude is, you know, definitely different from that, the meat grinder attitude. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's great that you're opening gyms to promote that and drive it forward. And I'm actually a little upset that you don't use the 30 days of Christmas anymore because that's just awesome branding right there. That is awesome. (laughs) I'm integrating that into something else. I'm actually working on a book. Okay. Um, so to kind of like work in some, some basic fundamental, like get better, get healthier lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I'm really trying to spin off that somehow. Cause I, I, 
<laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's so funny. I can't believe it's my name, really. <laughs> yeah. So is that's that's your that's real, name? real name, by the way, for the record. That, for the record, um, it's yes, Christmas. My middle name is Joy, and it's spelled J O Y E. Oh my gosh! You know, like <laughs> my mother swears that she quit doing drugs um, <laughs> when she found out she was pregnant. And so my sister and I faithfully asked, so how long were you pregnant before you found out? Um, but no, <laughs> she doesn't do drugs or anything like that now. She's not like a, a druggie or a hippie or anything, but she was a hippie. A hippie, not a druggie. <laughs> Just a hippie. So so how did oh your name goodness, come about? A picture of my mother. <laughs> she's actually <laughs> quite incredible. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sorry, Mom. I'm sorry. <laughs> well... We'll oh just ignore God. that you said any of that. You know, every everybody's got their past. As long as they're amazing right now, that's all that really matters. Yeah, my mom's pretty, she's absolutely amazing. She's a big role model for me. Um, you know, my dad's like one of those psycho renegades where we may not talk a lot, but I know that I could call him right now and say, I need your help, and he's going to be here faster than anybody would ever be able to believe and be ready to throw down for me, you know? That's family. <laughs> that's awesome. So that that still doesn't explain how you got the how you got named Christmas. Like, there's got to be some story. Oh, that. okay. So my mom actually had a pretty hard pregnancy with me, and she calls me a miracle baby. She was on bed rest, but she still had to work, so she almost miscarried with me a couple times. So when I was actually born, they had picked out the name Jessica Brooke, and which is a beautiful name, yeah. but it's not my name. And so when I was actually born, and my mom saw me and she was like, oh, it's my Christmas joy. And then she had to change how joy was spelled because I was born so close to Christmas. And, you know, I was, I was a miracle baby. So I was Christmas joy. <laughs> that's a, that's a good story. That's a very good story. <laughs> it's very sweet. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. Hey, well, you've got a great, you've got a great name. Like it's, you, you need to use that everywhere. Like the, just the branding potentials right there are amazing. I don't, cause it would be very, very hard to try to trademark anything with Christmas unless your legal name was Christmas, I think. Yeah. So take yeah. full advantage of that. You know, it's so funny. People are always like, for real, is that your real name? I had somebody ask me when I was doing a level one seminar in the circle, day one of squat. They're like, is that your stage name? I'm like, no. <laughs> and let's go ahead and check out your squat, dude. So he, I had my eyes on him for the rest of the two days. That's hilarious. Is that your stage name? Don't trainer. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, we're we're at the end of the show. So is there? Uh, it, it'd be great to tell the audience like where they can find out more about you. Do you have a website? Um, is there a place where they can learn about your uh, philosophy? You know, any basically any way people can come find you. And well, learn more. Not find you in a creepy party. way. Find you in a get good information way. <laughs> not not in a stage name way. Right. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and put it out there that I'm not gonna answer my front door if you show up. Okay. Uh, the gym is acceptable. The home is not. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, the so I'm doing a lot of competitions and workshops this fall. So I'm pretty excited. Uh, I'll have my schedule updated relatively soon on my website. It's christmasabbott.com. Pretty, I'm pretty easy to stock. Um, and so, you know, if you follow me on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, it's all just Christmas Abbott. And um, that's, that's how you can kind of find me. And I have CrossFit Invoke, which is located in Raleigh, North Carolina. We're always doing some really cool events, so check it out. And we have this big competition in September. And I actually just got permission to compete in it. I was like, can I compete in my own box? Is that like <laughs> not approved? Um, so yeah, just christmasabbat.com. Pretty easy. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll make sure we get, get all that up on, uh, on the podcast so people can find you easily. And thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're really busy. Even just trying to text coordinate with this with you was <laughs> what, like a month-long process, so I, I really appreciate you well, carving you out an hour for it. Well, you would text me at, like, 
Well, I, I love it because I get a text in the morning, but it was really like from 1130 at night. And I'll tell you, I'm such like a little old lady. When it comes to double digits for time, I'm in bed. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's funny. I get these like 130 a.m. texts. I'm like, who's up at 130? And it's, you know, of course, on a Saturday night or something. Everybody's up at 130 on Saturday except for me. But um, Keeper and Taraki, thank you guys so much for, for hosting me and, and being patient with my schedule. Um, I really appreciate it, and I, I love the chat, and I hope that maybe maybe I persuaded some of you to, or you guys to not hate on CrossFitters so much. Um, maybe. Yeah, probably not. Well, CrossFit, I usually I don't hate on CrossFitters. I just, you know, I, I hate on that you know, the intelligentsia level of it, you know, CrossFitters, like you just have to have respect for people who are willing to beat themselves into the ground with the goal of just, you know, being better. And it, it sounds funny, yeah, but that's awesome. yeah, I mean, really you, you've got to respect that mentality because, you know, it shows a level of dedication and tenacity that most people in this world just don't have. It's just, it would be better applied somewhere else. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again. And, uh, we'll let you go. And so everybody that was Christmas Abbott, thanks for being on. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Thanks. Bye. So that was, uh, another episode of body IO FM. I hope everybody enjoyed that. And, uh, you know, obviously my attitude about CrossFit in general hasn't changed, but you know, there are really good coaches out there. Uh, you just, you have to go find them. And uh, I think there were a lot of good lessons in this, in this podcast. So thanks everybody. Thanks Rocky. We'll see you later. And uh, until next time. You've been listening to Body IO FM with your hosts, Kiefer and Dr. Rocky. If you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io. We'll be back next time with more science from the pinnacle of human health and performance.